0: Well, let's just begin right here. Somebody shout more than conquerors, shout more than conquerors. More than conquerors. We are what? More than conquerors. And no matter what we're facing, no matter what we go through, we are more than conquerors. So let me let me help you with that. Just just kind of get that look on your face, you know, in confidence and say, I'm going to conquer that. Go ahead and say that. I'm going to conquer that. Not because of my strength, but because of the Lord's. Right. But we got this. Say it. I got this. I got this. We got this. Uh, How many have dealt with a lot of anxiety and stress in your life? Anybody dealt with some? Anxiety and stress and uh, just fear, difficulty in general. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We have a basket full of strong and courageous bracelets still in the back. I gave my last one away at the airport this week and... uh, uh, so I have to keep four or five in my pocket. Uh, I'm not asking you to go take four or five. I'm just, but there is a guy at the airport wearing one of these standing behind a counter. Now, I just told him about uh, faith and I was talking to him about uh, being strong and courageous and his relationship with Jesus. And he's looking at that and I showed it to him and he said, I'm going to wear this. You know, I said, I haven't gone to church in a, in a long time, but I believe in Jesus. I need to start praying. Remember that shout moment that we talked about? Somebody Shout. Somebody shout. Go ahead and shout. Yeah. Okay. That, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. But usually our shout is uh, when you are in a very difficult time in your life. Maybe you're even away from God and you shout to him. You say, God, help me. That's what it sounds like. God, I need your help right now. God, if you're real, come and help me out. That sort of thing. Anybody been there before? Anybody been there? That may not be the place of your covenant, but that's God's grace reaching in your direction. That's something that's going on in your life that reminds you that God is real. And then there's that place of covenant. If you remember last week, I walked you through the journey of of crying out to God. And from crying out to God, we went from uh, covenant with God. And we went to the wilderness. And then we went to the conquest uh, in the book of Joshua. And we've dealt heavily with that. But what we learned is that's our story, right? I mean, you didn't immediately know all about God. You didn't immediately have everything worked out. But you cried out to God. Perhaps you were in bondage. Perhaps you were in difficulty and you shouted to God. And out of that shout, God met you and began and brought deliverance into your life. And you walked from that place into covenant where you accepted Him. And you decided that God was good and He would be your God. And then you walked through the wilderness that nobody wants, right? Right? but it is a time of testing and it's in that testing that our faith is perfected our our lives are healed we get to know god anybody been through a test lately anybody had some tests so then we go from testing we go to warfare and sometimes people think the testing is the warfare it has some characteristics of warfare, but that's not what it is. Warfare is when you finally realize who you are, you accept the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you take the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. You uh, take the belt of truth, and you, you uh, uh, wrap your feet in the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace, and you go to war because you know who you are, and you point out the promises of God, and you go and take them. It's also about knowing what your purpose is. Amen? Amen. It's about knowing who you are, getting involved in the kingdom of God, doing things in the kingdom, becoming the believer that God has called you to be. So I I want us to continue in this. I, I want us to continue in this Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Let's read this theme scripture. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So be strong and courageous. That is the spirit. It is the shout of the confident heart. The individual that knows who God is. That's what it is. Even though you don't know what lies ahead of you in the field of battle, you say, I'm strong and courageous. It is Rock kasaks amats. It is the Hebrew battle cry. And we've read it over and over. It was from Moses to Joshua, and then we see others in the Word of God. We find David, we find David to Solomon, we find Hezekiah, we find different kings as they declare this. When the enemy comes against them, they shout as God showed them from the beginning. Shout it, come on. Be strong and courageous, shout it. Be strong. Oh no, you got to get this. Come on. Be strong and courageous. You need to shout it loud enough for others to hear it. Because there are people that are around you that are not strong and not courageous. Have you ever been around somebody that had courage and you drew from their courage? Anybody been there? You need somebody in your home, somebody in your family that's courageous. You need somebody. you need to be around Christian uh, believers, individuals that know Christ. You need to find them. I'm not, I'm not talking about just religious folk, people who know God and intend to be victorious. You need to be around them. You need to rub shoulders with them. You need some of that anointing. Come on, shout it. Be strong and courageous. And then we've taught you, do not be dismayed, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, which is a statement of idolatry, idolatry, because the words themselves speak of idolatry. Fear is bowing before something that you believe is greater than you. And the word dismayed is to fall prostrate, to fall on your face in a worship setting it, it is, isn't it interesting that sometimes the actions that we take when we are most fearful look a great deal like worship? Isn't it interesting how that works? I begin to feel fear. I begin to feel, and here's another concept, it's reverence, okay? I'm, I'm in reverence and awe of something that is not God. I'm in awe at the things that are against me. Folks, if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? Amen. Today, again, I want to leverage what we just experienced. I wanted the kids to sing just before I preach as we talk about strengthening our homes. We need the strength in our homes. And uh, I, I want us to take note of the scripture, be strong and courageous, because you would think after what we talked about uh, two sundays ago when i talked about uh, the the disbursement of excuse me the inheritance that was given the blessings that released to the 12 tribes and we talked about Caleb and how he uh, at 85 years old led the conquest of Hebron and he took it for his family and for his home drove the giants off the mountain come on somebody needs to drive your giants off the mountain anyway all right so and so we would like for every story to end like a fairy tale You know how every fairy tale ends, right? And they lived. Okay. So that's what we believe, that everything ends that way. All right? Now one day we're gonna end that way. You got that? One day we're gonna be with Jesus. Can I get a shout now? We're gonna be with Jesus one day. However, tell somebody, you ain't there yet. All right. So sometimes when struggles come our way, we say, "What's this?" It's one of two things. It's either a wilderness to test you, or the enemy that needs to be defeated, and you need to take on your war. You need to take on your sword. Amen. You understand that? So I want to dispel the myth of they lived happily ever after. And some of you say, "Well, yeah, I hate that." Well, do you like Star Wars? Come on, where are my Star Wars nerds at? Where are you guys? Where, who loves Star Wars? Who was the champion of the original Star Wars? Name some characters from the original Star Wars. Luke Skywalker, Skywalker, baby. Luke Skywalker. And who was the pilot? What was his name? Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford. You guys are old Not old enough to me. Chewbacca. Remember Chewbacca? Remember R2-D2 and C-3PO? It was the first Star Wars movie that came out. And then there were two more Star Wars movies that came out after that. There was anybody remember the second one? Empire. The Empire Strikes Back. All right, come on now. The word is coming out of this congregation now. The Empire Strikes Back. Third one, return of the Jedi. Alright. And for guys like me, I was just thank God it's over. Just thank you. Thank you. But but then there's something called a prequel. Alright? So evidently you only heard a few of the stories. Something happened before all of those stories. And you learned about the phantom and the attack of the clones and the revenge of the Sith that nobody liked. And then, uh... but then there was a sequel. So you got prequels, you got sequels The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and finally The Rise of Skywalker. All of these Star Wars movies, okay? So here's the, here's the deal. You just can't get finished. There's always these days a prequel or a sequel. It's just like, does anybody have any original ideas anymore? I mean, it's all a story. And, I, and I've thought sometimes, why do people like prequels and sequels? It's, I, I don't know. You kind of get at home in that, don't you? You already know the characters. You enjoy. You didn't want the last one to end. But how, does it, how do you end up with one? As soon as it starts, something bad happens. Luke, I am your father. Man, that had to be a bad day. Poor Luke, realizing that Darth Vader was his daddy. He ain't my daddy. What? Anybody seen that movie? Anybody seen any of that? So uh, there are things that happen in life that need to be dealt with. There are problems, like the Rocky movie. I mean, as soon as he's... Finally, out of the second movie, he's done with Apollo Creed. Third movie shows up, and some guy named Clubber who looks like Mr. T. Okay, he was Mr. T. Uh, anybody remember Rocky movies? Wave at me if you know what I'm talking about right now. All right, I'm glad. There's, some young people are lifting their hands. Yeah. So if you're going to, if you like Star Wars... You're gonna love the saga of redemption. Okay? You're gonna love the story of redemption. Because I was I was talking to you about Joshua. There are some prequels regarding Joshua. Did you know that? I mean, part of the prequel, not just Egypt, not just the children of Israel, but let's go back to creation. You got Adam and Eve, and they had two boys. Anybody remember them? Cain and Abel. And what and what happened? Cain Cain killed. Abel, and then you have other kids and other situations. We uh, show up with a guy named Noah because the land was filled with all kinds of sin, all right? There were giants in in the land because uh, the sons of God knew the daughters of men. That's some really strange, you think Star Wars was weird, you need to read a little bit of the Bible sometime, all right? And there was all kinds of evil that was upon the earth, and Noah found God. Grace. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah builds the ark specifically according to the instructions of God. He is ridiculed, he's persecuted, but then the rains fall, just as God's word says, and the earth basically uh, is destroyed and renovated. So there's a story, and then we have a guy named Abraham. Anybody ever heard of Abraham? Abraham's wife was Sarah, and Abraham and Sarah had a couple of sons. Their names were no, there was one son, okay, Isaac, and Isaac had a couple of sons, and his na- their names were Jacob and Esau, right, and Jacob and Esau had a battle, so all kinds of sibling rivalry and difficulty, and then Jacob, he gets married, has how many sons? Twelve, and they changed Jacob's name to Israel. What? You guys are Bible scholars. And then out of that, we end up getting them settled in Egypt, right? And then they stayed too long and they all ended up in bondage. Okay, then we have our original movie, which was Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, right? So uh, that's, what I, that's what we're saying. But if you'll notice in looking back at the stories that I just told you, all of these stories have something to do with some really bad situations at home. Right? Lots of bad home situations. I mean... Come on, Adam and Eve, we knew just as soon as you started talking to a snake, things were going to get bad. And that impacted their relationships. That impacted their lives with their children because before then they didn't have jealousy and envy and all of that. They didn't have it until mom and dad started living a particular way. So all of this, all of these patriarchal stories are constantly about children who do not get it. Let me show it to you in Judges chapter 2 because this... Is the sequel of, of Joshua's con- conquest Joshua, uh, judges chapter two, verse eight. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. You don't hear that every day. So they bury him, they take him to, his, to, to play his place of inheritance, and they bury him uh, at the, the border of his inheritance at Timnath eris in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash with. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Did you hear what I just taught you? So here we have Judges chapter 2, and now we're going to see a sequence. This is the story of the entire book of Judges, that God keeps raising up individuals like Joshua, deliverers, and you've heard, or Shamgar, or Ehud, or Deborah, anybody remember Deborah and and Barak, Uh, uh, but different Judges, Gideon is one of them, and the the reason he raises them up is because year after year after year, this happens, somebody rises up, everybody turns to God. 40 years will go by. That's what happened with Othniel. 40 years after he's dead, nobody's serving God anymore. Uh, With uh, Ehud, anybody remember Ehud? I love the story of Ehud. Ehud, the left-handed assassin. You have to read that story sometime. That is a power story. Ehud, uh, he delivers Israel from the Midianites, and 80 years later, nobody's serving God again. And then Deborah and Barak, anybody remember that story? Uh, remember the great victory in that story? 40 years, again, 40 years. It seems like the 40 years, the 80 years, uh, anybody anybody under 40 years old in the house besides me? Anybody? I got to put my hand down, all right? Lift your hand. 40 years, 40 years, okay? Anybody 40 or over? Anybody over 40? Let's hear for old people. Come on. Love old people. Aren't you glad that we're pretty equally divided in that particular area? That's kind of fun, too. All right. Here's what I want, all right? I want my children to have more than a little bit of God. I want my next generation to not just know my stories, but I want them to experience the power of God in their life. I want my grandchildren not to just know the hymns that I wrote or the songs that I sang. I want them to write their own songs. You, do anybody hear what I'm teaching you right now? I mean, I mean, really, I mean, how important is this to you? How important is it? I mean, in this story, here's what happens. And it happens over and over. They have moved in, but all of the area has not been conquested. And that becomes their test. And they keep failing the test. And in it, what happens is they had a little bit of God, but their little bit of God was just memories of God. Nothing that lingered, nothing that was glued to their soul, nothing that was effectively passed down. They had no relationship with God. They just had some stories, and they had not experienced His power. So they began to develop a sense, and this is, this is scriptural. They began to develop a sense that the God that their grandfather served was just a God of war, that all He would do is help you if you were in war. And they wanted a God to help them in their everyday life. How many know God will help you in your everyday life? Uh, that's what he said. That's what he's saying. I'm with you wherever you go. But, but so instead of following God, instead of hearing from God, instead of serving God, uh, they decided they would find some other gods. And there were popular gods in town. Hello. They had these popular gods. Like uh, one was Asherah. And then they had the Baal brothers, okay? They just called them the Baals, a bunch of, bunch of different ones. Now, uh, the, Ashira, uh, the Ashira worship was just so ungodly, it's, I can hardly mention it. It's so nasty. But it's, it's really like worshiping at a totem pole, okay? Anybody know what a totem pole is? All right. So, the, uh, you know, we love our Native American brothers and sisters, but if you're worshiping at a totem pole, you need to meet the real God. Is that okay? Can I preach the truth here? Or do you want me to just kind of tiptoe around everything? All right, so that sort of thing. The Asherah pole was so ungodly, they had, <clears throat> they had priestesses that would pretty much do anything you wanted them to do. If you know what I'm talking about. And out of that, they would, they would go and spend time with them in front of the Asherah in order that they could get rain on their crops. Oh, Isn't it amazing how some people come up with religion that just validates their immorality? <laughs> Pastor Rick just said that. You is to... Isn't it amazing? As soon as you start doing that, trying to validate, well, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. This is just the way I identify. As soon as you start living that life, you need to get back to the original script. Amen. Preach Pastor Rick. But I, I want to help you with this because... Part of our problem is we're just busy telling people what to do. There is a, there's a lesson here. We've got to get better at passing our faith to the next generation. And since this is BBS week, can I ask you this? How many are thankful for all of those kids that came to Vacation Bible School at your church? Anybody thankful for that? How many are grateful for all of those kids that gave their life to the Lord Jesus? Anybody grateful for that? Okay, we're done with them now. They can go home. You see what I'm saying? We're done. We're finished. As long as we had a good VBS, nothing else really matters. Right? One week. There are actually some people, and I know this because I've been doing vacation Bible school as long as I can remember. You know, Preston and Lindsay lead student ministries, and they, along with a lot of other help, led this. But I remember when Preston was just a baby And he was helping me with Vacation Bible School. I remember those days. I I remember when I was a little kid going to Vacation Bible School. Here's one of the things that I know. Some people will come to VBS and will never come back. Never come back. It's like really cool. Let me tell you something that's really cool about Vacation Bible School. I don't know if you know this. You can bring your kids to Vacation Bible School and drop them off. And go have dinner. Can I get a praise Jesus from some parent right there? And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with you doing that. All right? As long as you don't drop Jesus off. Come on. So in Joshua 1 and 9, remember, Joshua 1 and 9, the scripture here is not just about battle. It's be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Next word, wherever you go. So uh, you need to understand the concept of wherever you need to underline the word wherever because the the strong and courageous teaching it's about life it's about living it's about husbands and wives it's about vocational issues it's about finances it's about raising our children it's about being the church so when you look at the word wherever you're fighting a battle of life if someone was attacking your home, you'd get this. I mean, you'd be grabbing sticks and pitchforks and rakes and just beating them out of your house. But but I'm saying that there is warfare that's going on in your house, and we're struggling to effectively pass the generational message of salvation to the next generation. So when grandma and grandpa die, it's like they were so cute. Remember, they used to take us to church on Sunday and... Just love those grandpas and grandmas. Listen, you need the faith of your grandpa and your grandma. Amen. Which is what Judges 2 and 10 says. Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done. And the word know is yada, it is a complete and thorough personal knowledge. It's a word that's used a thousand times in the Old Testament. Where we are fully aware, first of all, that God knows us. How many know that God knows you? In Psalm 139, David writes, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts. From afar, you discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely. Anybody got kids like that? You know what they're about to say. You know, no, don't say that. Anybody ever done that to your kids? I know what you're about to say. Now, I want you put your toys away and go to bed. Anybody, ever, you know what I'm saying? I know my kids. How many know God knows us? Anybody know that? He knows you. He knows what's going on. Thank God he still loves you you. God knows you, but that's not the problem. The question is, do you know God? Does your spouse know God? You're a single parent. Do you know God enough to make sure your children know God? Are you someone that is so into God that your life and your words are constantly introducing others to God? Do you know him well enough to introduce him? Are you committed enough to him that you would never deny him? You would never forget him. You would never forsake him. Can you tell about your God? Can you tell about Father? Can you tell about Son? Can you tell about Holy Spirit? Can you tell about Abba Father? Can you tell about our interceding Savior, our ever-present Holy Spirit? Sometimes, uh, sometimes I don't know people as, as well as I'd like to. Anybody been there before? Like somebody walks up to you and says, oh, the, Pastor Rick, do you remember me? And then I'm in the middle. You know, it's like, I can say, uh, I can say, no, can't say I've ever met you before, say that, or I can say yes and lie, or you can say, what, it's so good to see you, (laughs) what, where have you been? feels a little deceptive. Now, don't ask Diana because she will tell you, you know. I will work it out. Right, baby? That's what we're a team. No, he doesn't know you. Do you know God? Do you know God? He knows you. Do you know God? Do you know him? And when I say, do you know him? You know, there's some people that are acquaintances, but you don't know them. Some people you have relationships, oh, you work together, but you don't know them. I'm not saying, yeah, I know God. I come and talk about him every Sunday. That's not what I'm saying. Do you know God? Do you know him personally? Do you know him deeply? Do you know how he thinks and how he talks? And I know his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, but do you know how he loves you? you know how he feels do you? Do you know God? And I, I, want, us to, I want us to build something today. I want us to build something so that no matter what happens in our culture, no matter what happens in our government, no matter what happens in our world, I want to build something that generations will be blessed with. You got that? When I Listen, when I'm gone and somebody says, you know, you remember that pastor, Rick Hawkins, remember him? Oh, he was here for like decades. He just would not go away. I mean, when people say, I don't know him, but I know the God that he served. You see what I'm saying? I want to make sure that my grandchildren, your grandchildren, and as a church, you say, well, I don't have any kids. Yes, you do. We're family. Your fathers, your mothers, these children that I said earlier, they all, they belong to us. I want generations into the future. I want our kids to know and serve and love and experience the same God that we do. Amen. Anybody with me on this? This is critical. So... Let's talk about strengthening our home. First of all, we got we this theme scripture, Judges chapter 2 and 10. Okay, where, you know, uh, when all that generation had been gathered, uh, to get, gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord. Now look at Joshua 15. This was This is just a few chapters before this one. Okay. Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay, now... Just so you know, people are coming to Jesus out of the message of Joshua today, right? Our lives are benefited by that. But at the same time, we've got to be firm enough and clear enough in perpetuating our faith that our homes end up strong, not just next week, but strong in generations in the future. So here's a few ways that I'm going to help you, okay? I want you to understand these three lessons. One, do not be distracted. That's right. Go ahead and put your phones down right now. Okay, anyway. Do not, say it. Do not be distracted. Do not be distracted. All right? Uh, Now, to a point I understand being distracted because life is crazy. Am I right? I was, uh, anybody know where General Booth and Oceana come together? Anybody know that intersection? There's a Dunkin' Donuts over there on the corner. So if you're turning left on General Booth, you never know what the people in front of you are about to do, right? Because they may have, a need for a chocolate eclair immediately, right? Which can happen. Can I get an amen? They might need a few donuts or a mocha something something and just go that way. Uh, I, was, I was in that mode, you know, trying to make my left and some guy's making a right, but he made a right turn driving his big truck like this. All right? And that kind of that's kind of weird, okay, because it was somebody in my... No, it wasn't one of you, but uh, I don't know who it was. I nearly got run over by a lady on a phone the other day. She was driving down the road distracted by her phone. And when she, when she got past me and pulled over in front of me, uh, she had a sign in her back window that said, Baby on board. And I was thinking, you need that on your front windshield, you know. Put it up as like your hood ornament or something, you know, so... Uh, but I forgave her. I forgave her. Uh, how many have ever been distracted by your phone before? Anybody? While you were driving, okay? And I understand you make a call or something, but how many know we need to put those things down on occasion? Uh, because this is like life and death. Uh, you know, there's so many things that are, that are going on sometimes in our life that we struggle uh, doing life. It's easy to be distracted. Let me just give you an example, all right? Uh, how many have ever seen a guy... Uh, with uh, plates that he spins. Anybody ever seen that guy? Okay. Okay. You want me to do this? Okay. Back up and do it. I'm spinning it this way, John. Okay, Okay. So you get one, and then the problem is, then you get married, and then you got two. All right. Here we go. There we go. Ready? They're spinning. You just can't tell. Okay, so all right. It just gets more difficult. Okay, and marriage is cool, right? But how many have ever had one of the plates break? Okay, you say, well, what happened? Well, the thing is, when you have spinning plates, you have to pay attention. There's a lot of things that can distract you. Husbands love your wives. Wives love your husbands. You know what I'm saying? And if, if you're single, it's it's difficult enough. It's extra difficult when you're any single parents, shout amen. Single moms, single dads, where are you? All right? Grandparents, any got grandparents raising kids or something? You know what I'm talking about? You got it it's just difficult because if you're if you got like a relationship like that, and then you start getting little plates to take care of, it gets really tough to spend this many plates at the same time. Okay, especially When you have more than one, okay. So, all right. Especially if you have more than one plate that you're trying to. This is why I don't do dishes right here, okay. (laughs) So now I'm gonna spin. You don't want me to do this, right? I'm gonna spin. I'll just throw them at you. No, I won't. So I'm spinning. So you got two, you got two little plates, you got two big plates. You're trying to make all of this. Why? Why are we struggling, with my kids? Why are we struggling, with marriage? Because you're focused on the kids all the time. You're never focused on me, mommy, daddy. What's going on? And then you get teenagers. Okay. How <laughs> I many you know? Sometimes teenagers. What do I do with this creature? They were just, at least when they were here, when they were here, I could tell them what to eat and when to go to bed. I can't tell these creatures nothing. (laughs) It's difficult, right? Because our hands are full and we're wondering what to do. What I'm saying to you right now, I'm not giving you answers immediately. What I'm saying to you right now is don't get distracted. Things will break. You see what I'm saying? Don't get distracted. Don't put your children on autopilot. Come on, don't raise them. Don't come on. You're not hearing me, are you? Are you hearing me? Don't let, don't let YouTube raise your kids. I'm not saying don't turn. Don't let them ever look at YouTube. Pastor said I can't ever look at YouTube. Just don't let, don't let it become the substitute. You see what I'm saying? Any, anybody understand? Don't. I just got to put this down. You got everybody understand what I just taught you? Everybody understand? Put your plates down, pastor, before you break something. OK, it's sometimes like a balancing act. Right. Here's the problem with Israel as they come to the promised land is they get distracted by all the other things that are going on, and they forget that the most important thing was what happened at Mount Sinai, and that is got to make sure our kids are in right covenant with God. Everybody get that? we got to make sure that our kids are in covenant. we got to make sure in our marriage, in our family, in our home. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can stress you out. You know, how do you make sense of it all? I've read a bunch of books and blogs on marriage, but the problem that I say is the greatest is that we have lost our faith in our families. we got some problem. Hey, come on, let's pray about this. Yeah. Did I hear that? What does God say about this? So, um, I and I know it's a struggle. I know distraction is a problem. Let me give you an illustration, okay? Uh, how many fingers do I have? Okay, I have five fingers, so five on each hand. Look at that. Okay, so... In my life, I've got a lot of relationships, right? I got my relationship with my wife. I got relationship with my kids. I got relationship with my grandchildren. I got relationships with my church and my friends. And anyway, I'm running out of fingers. All right, so okay. And then I have things to do. How many have a lot of things to do? Anybody have things to do? How many have? Come on, give me some things. What you got? You got work, right? If you're if you're if you got kids you might have like soccer practice or something or right am I right and you got relationships with the people on the team and the people in the school it's coming up in August or September watch out all right you got all of these things you got shopping to do you've got planning you got budgets and finances so I say hey hey here's an idea let's get involved in the church in the kingdom of god and you look at your hand and you say I'm out of fingers Because our faith becomes one more thing to do rather than the thing. Everybody understand what I'm teaching you? You said, well, you don't just, you believe in Jesus, that's good. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. But until this becomes number one, how do you know that your generations, because what would break my heart is if generation, generation, generation after me, that there were not people that knew the faith that I had and the things that God had done in my life, and he was doing the same things in their lives. Don't be distracted. Come on, don't be distracted. Your marriage matters, your family matters, and all your relationships with Jesus, and and, and above all, your relationship with Jesus matters matter. So come on, you know what I'm saying? Light your candle, pray together, talk together. Come on, be an elder in your house, pastor, your family, and your family will rise up. Hebrews 12, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Okay, and secondly, here's another plan to strengthen your home. Fill your home with grace. Say that with me. I want you to get that in your head and write it down. Fill in the blank in your notes. Fill your home with Fill it with white? Amen. Proverbs chapter three. Great proverb. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart, let your heart keep my commands. Your mind, your will, your emotion. Keep them in your heart. For length of days and long peace and long life and peace, they will add to you. You're gonna live longer following Jesus. Look, it's proved. It's been proven. They have tested this. People who pray and seek God live longer. It's just the truth. Bind, uh, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind mercy. That's grace. Mercy and truth for, uh, around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Now you know the last part, right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. That's know Him. And He shall direct your path. So... We need God in our homes. We need to pour out the word of God, the truth of God in our homes more than cereal and oatmeal. We have to love it. But with that said, we want our homes to be filled with mercy and truth. He just settled in there. Say mercy and truth. Say it mercy and truth. So, uh, you know, I, I did the little spinning plate illustration you know, sometimes things get broken, am I right? And what do you have to do? You have to sweep things up, you have to clean things up, because uh, you can get distracted by yourself. Uh, do I have any parents in the room? People have ever been parents? Anybody? Come on, where are you? Uh, so, so you know that's everybody because we got to parent other kids too, right? You're taking care of kids, you're watching over kids. So here's some bad ideas, some bad parenting concepts. One, helicopter parenting. All right, overprotective. They believe that danger lurks around every corner. You cannot go out in the backyard. There are grasshoppers out there. You'll get spit on. Have you ever had a grasshopper jump? Don't you lay in the ground right now. You'll get chiggers. How many know there's such a thing? Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Hey, hey, hey. Don't, don't you dare, don't you dare walk up those stairs by yourself right now. That's a lot of, that's a lot of stairs. And you have little feet. Helicopter parenting. Uh, so they guard and advise their children like at every turn, or snowplow parenting. You've heard of snowplow parents, right? Snowplow parents smash down every obstacle in the lives of their children. So they raise children that believe there should never be an obstacle. They never let their children fight the battle. Come on, Pastor Ricky. Uh, that can be a problem because that you can end up raising spoiled and entitled children. Who have overinflated egos and believe they are, the, they are here to be worshipped. Why should I have to do anything? Or fuel injector parenting. Fuel injector parents are hooked on the idea that life is fundamentally a competition. It's not really about how well you do as long as my kids are better than your kids. <laughs> That's so fun. Uh, tiger parenting. Remember tiger parenting? That was a big story for some time. That's... Uh, you will do your studies for six hours after school. No, you're going to practice your violin now for the next seven hours. You know, it's just, it's just uh, so much time until, uh, the, 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 it's ferocious, it's hard driving. There's a book called Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother that came out not long ago, or defensive parenting. This defensive parenting is aimed at reducing negative judgments about their parenting. But don't you be talking about my parenting I don't need any guidance. So bad parenting can leave massive heart wounds. Uh, like if, if you grew up in a house that had inconsistent punishment, or there was embarrassing and ridiculing and belittling that went on in your house, or parents who are not united, a mother and father that are not working together, or, or, or spanking, or excuse me, parents who are not united, spanking and anger. All right, I, listen, listen. Uh, people have differing opinions when it comes to corporal punishment. But can I tell you, whatever your opinion is, don't you be beating your children. Look at your pastor right now. Look at me. I'm telling you, if, you're, if you are processing your anger on the backside of your children, you need to talk to somebody. Okay, nobody wants to say amen right now, but that's okay or badgering, abusive language. Come on, don't let the F-bombs be flying in your house, all right? Don't be teaching your kids how not to speak the English language. And parents who are absent, just not there, just not there, not talking. There are some powerful words in Ephesians regarding our homes that I like. Uh, Ephesians 5.21, you've probably heard some of these. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives. Now, that term, love your wives, when you look at love your wives... It is, another, it is a deep level of submission is what that is. Okay? Some people, when you see that statement, says, wives submit to their husbands, husbands don't do nothing. How many know it takes mutual submission in a house? Anybody know that? So love is an incredibly submitted word. Jesus loved us so much that he submitted himself to the cross, right? He says, love your wives, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. So you know these scriptures, Right? And then he finishes up with, fathers, do not exasperate, do not provoke your children to, be, to, to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So uh, regarding that teaching, so you understand, where it says Father, do not, fathers, do not provoke your children, that does not mean, mothers, it's perfectly okay for you to. That's not what it says. In fact, you can translate there, and it is often translated as parents. Like sometimes in scripture, you'll see where it says, man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, how many know that's talking to women too? Anybody know that? So in this teaching, he's saying, don't provoke children, which in the word uh, provocation there, provoke, uh, is the Greek word movement toward a point of constant anger causing exasperation. So you say, why are my kids always angry? Have I got anything to do with that? And if I ask them about it, do we even have the ability to have a conversation? It's an atmosphere of wounding through parenting rather than strengthening through gracious instruction and modeling. Now, let me help you understand this because what I'm saying is we need to fill our homes with grace. And I'm going to show you what that's like, all right? Uh, Uh, If you walked into church this morning and the temperature was 25 degrees, would you pay attention to what I'm talking about? All you would be thinking about is the atmosphere. You see what I just taught you? You understand? If the atmosphere is 25 degrees, you don't care what the preacher is saying. Hand me a blanket. I don't like the atmosphere. I don't like the place where I am. A home filled with grace is a place where children can grow up, where husbands and wives can love one another, a home full of grace. You see, some people say, well, grace is just what you're saved by. I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but I live by life by grace. I give the same grace that Jesus gave to me. So I fill it so much with grace that when my kids walk in the door, they know that I love them already. Go ahead and help me with this. Look at somebody and tell them, Say, I love you. I love you right where you are. Tell them I love you right where you are. I love you. I care about you. Tell them, there's nothing you can do that will cause me to love you. Tell them, nothing. In fact, look at them in the face and do this. We love doing this. Tell them, you're a good gift. Tell somebody, you're a good gift. You're a good gift. Because sometimes broken parenting causes us to raise kids that believe that they're worthless and they're no good and they can never accomplish anything. Sometimes we provoke our children just by absenteeism. Just by not talking with them until they don't feel that they can tell anything to us. So they go and ask somebody else. And the culture will tell them other things that are morally destructive in their life. And then they'll use the immorality as their drug to make them feel loved and accepted and forgiven. Well, these people love me just like I am and so they will define themselves according to those particular terms how many know the devil can look really pretty sometimes anybody know that He'll look really pretty, and he will suck our children and our generations away from us because we don't fill our homes with grace. Listen, your children shouldn't look at you like they're afraid of you all the time. They should be able to tell you anything that's going on, any thought. I want my mom and daddy, I want them to help me process what's going on in my life. I want to be able to tell them I'm feeling what I'm thinking. I know they'll tell me the truth, but I know even when I have feelings that they don't like, They will still love me and embrace me. You say, well, I'm afraid of doing that. You must not like Jesus very much. How many know Jesus is that kind of Jesus? How many have ever went to him and done this? Confessed your sin. And this is what Jesus says. When you confess your sin to him, Jesus says, are you kidding? You did that? I'm done with you. I'm throwing you out. of No, how many know he's not that way? He says, I loved you. I died for you while you were a sinner. I knew you were a sinner before I ever went to the cross. I died for your sins. My blood I spilled. If you confess your sins, I am going to faithfully cleanse you of your unrighteousness and forgive you of your sins and take your sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west, unless you're my baby. Then I'm going No. And I learned this as a child. I learned it. My daddy was a whipping daddy. I told daddy... Later in life, Daddy, you whipped me too much. I did. I told him. And uh, he reminded me of some of the things. And that one great story. Well, there's a lot of things I missed that those were for. You know, I just, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I had this, this great moment with my dad where I shot a BB gun inside my bedroom and cracked the window. There was a spider in the window, and it needed to die. (laughs) And and my, he gave me the BB gun, you know. So anyway, my understanding, here's an idea, shoot it. And when the BB hit the window, then there was crack that went all the way across the window. And then I am consumed with what am I going to do about this? Well, my dad had told me something once. Dad told me once, he said, Rick, if you will tell me the truth, I will fight for you even if you have murdered somebody. Now, I wasn't planning on I just All I killed was a spider. I figured I had a good shot. Literally. No, anyway. So I took it. I went and told my dad. Who had whooped me before. I'm talking old school whoopings, okay? Who had whooped me. Can I get a an name? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Old school. I will take my belt off, go out to that tree and get a switch, whoopings, okay? And I took and went into my daddy and I said, Daddy, I shot my BB gun, killed a spider, and I cracked the window. And he smiled at me and touched my heart. By telling me, thanks for telling me the truth, son. And he forgave me and he didn't lift his hand to me. I know some of you wanted me to say, and then he whooped my backside, but he didn't. (laughs) What he did was what I found out was he was a man of his word. And that he loved me and all I needed to do was tell him the truth. How many know that will heal a person? Anybody know that? That will heal you. Now listen, look at me, look at me. Look at me. You tell me the truth. I'm your pastor. You can tell me the truth. I love you. I don't know what you've done. I'll fight for you. I might have to fight with you sometimes, but I'll fight for you. And I love you no matter what your history, no matter what your story is. No way. I got any believers in this house? Got any believers in this house? Got some believers? Go ahead. Look, there are people in this house you can tell the truth to. You can come to this altar and pray, and guess what we will do? We will love you and pray for you. We will forgive you. We will restore you. All right? Does that feel good to anybody? Amen. You mess with a child, I'll call child protective services too, but, Amen. you know, but how many know what I'm telling you? I'm telling you that God loves you. He cares for you. He longs to heal your life. He's a good, good father. Man, I'm so glad I'm teaching this. Somebody shout grace based parenting. Grace based parenting. So I'm telling you this, and I want you to get this. Let me, let me take this on another level, okay? Another level. Let's go back. Grace-based parenting. Uh, Dr. Tim Keller wrote that book, okay? Christian psychologist. Uh, a lot of good writing. Here, here's, here's something. How many have little kids? Anybody have little kids? Okay, let me tell you some about little kids. They are weird. <laughs> you got that? Can I get an amen? They're weird. Okay, you have little girls who were just spectacular. I watched Avalyn one day. She went into Dinah's office, and Dinah has a toy supply for her there, baby Avalyn. She went and grabbed every one of the dolls, the stuffed animals, the weird little dolls that she has, and lined them all around the room and put them all to sleep. That's cute, but for me, it's just kind of weird. You know, it's just... You know, you got Elmo sleeping next to Barbie. You know, it's just... It's just. Kids are weird. I've known little boys who would bite the heads off of dolls. Just <laughs> looking at me like I'm crazy. Come on, I got a little boys in the room that ever dismembered a Barbie doll. i just pulled the arms off. No? Okay, I did. All right. So, I know some of you are saying, well, that's that's just weird. Well, it's it's not the best, but I'm saying... Your kids are different. I have two kids. I have a son and a daughter. And they are grown. They are well in their 30s now. But can I tell you, they were not the same. They acted different. Can I get an amen from somebody? They will be weird. They'll be quirky. And one day, your little girl will walk up to you and say, Would it be all right if I dyed my hair pink? And you're going to have to decide what you're going to do about that. Now, let me tell you, it's okay to have an arbitrary order in your family that we are not dying hair pink in this house. Just don't blame it on God. Don't tell her, you know, if you dye your hair pink, God is not going to like that very much. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't, Don't throw God into all of your parental decisions. Do you see? Because kids are weird and crazy, and they will test you. And one day, they'll walk into the church, and they'll be, you know, it's weird. It's like, uh, how many military guys I got in the room? Got any military guys and gals in the room? Okay. So you'll notice that on occasion, I'm looking around the room. Let's see. Somebody will walk in with a baseball hat, and one of my military people, how come that guy's in here with his cover on his head? And I'm saying, who cares? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Oh, you got a cover on your head. There you go. Thanks. Joe's got one. You see what I'm saying? I'm telling you that there are some things that we don't have to worry about so much. What we need to do is bring people into a grace-filled house. That's what I want freedom to be. I want freedom to be a grace-filled house. I want you to bring whatever broken, messed up individual you can find and bring them to the house. I want to know them. I want us to love them. I want us to introduce them to the Lord Jesus and see their lives transformed. You'll never see anybody set free without grace. Okay, I'm just one more thing real quick, all right? You ready? Number three? I'm not sure I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Teach your family that God will fight for you. Say it, God will fight for you. Fight for you. Tell them, tell them, get in their face, God will fight for you. Yeah, give them one of those. There you go. This is, how many know the scripture? Isaiah 54. Anybody know the scripture? No weapon, say it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Heritage. Does that sound like family? And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Okay, now wait, wait. Let me show you what that scripture is about. Because we use it a lot, don't we? It's about family. It's about your home. It's about a, a, a broken story. He says uh, in Isaiah uh, uh, 54 and 1, Sing, O barren woman, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child for more of the children are the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Somebody shout Hallelujah. Somebody needs that scripture, all right? And, and then he says, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Now, there's a couple of messages there. One one is a practical one to the family I don't know if you've ever been through a difficulty in regards to bearing children. You know, Preston and Lindsay went that, through that for eight years. That's a difficult thing. If you've been wanting a kid for eight years, and all your buddies, all your friends, they all got kids, but you don't have any. That can really be a stressful thing. Can I get an amen from anybody that's experienced that? Thank God. God blessed them with baby Avi, and we're so thankful for that. But uh, So you understand, uh, still in life, what God wants you to know is there is another level of desolation. Another level of barrenness. And that level of barrenness is that when your generations are lost... And here's what God is wanting you to know that God wants to increase the kingdom and not only does he want to bless you with children, but he wants to bless your children with faith. And not only does he want to do that, but he wants the power of faith to expand through cities that are uninhabited. Get this, he wants Virginia Beach to know the Lord Jesus. He wants uh, Tidewater to know Jesus. The state of Virginia, he would like there to be a revival in the nation, but it's going to start in your house when we start saying, every tongue that rises against us will be stilled. Somebody praise God with me. God will fight for you when you're fighting for the right cause. So, let me ask you after I've taught you this. How many would say, Pastor, I need some strength in my home? How many would say that we need strength in our house? Wave at me. I need strength in my house. Okay. Some of you might be struggling also in Parenting. I would say you need to invite grace and the power of God into your home because what God will do is He will help you in your parenting. Bring grace. Every time your children come to you, I want you to embrace them as Christ would have you embrace them with love and grace. Can I get a yes from somebody? All right. Some of you are struggling in other ways in your life. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus. Some of you are going through a great wilderness time in a marriage, and a family. How many need to... Anybody need this? Stand with me if you would. Everybody stand. I want my altar workers to come and stand here. Come on, let's love on the Lord Jesus. The other. Lord, we love you. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. Thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus.